It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Week 5 of This Week in the Big East for 2019. It's our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from inside the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Providence Journal beat writer, Basketball Times contributor, and author Kevin McNamara. There's a little rumbling off in the distance, the possible rumbling of a storm coming, perhaps, anyway. The red storm of St. John's striking a blow toward breaking out from the Big East overstuffed middle of the standings by becoming the first team this season to win at 10th-ranked Marquette and sweeping the season series with the Golden Eagles. So, Kevin, how about a little perspective on the accomplishment, first of all, by St. John's? Well, the key to St. John's win out at Marquette was they got beat by 30 points at Duke just a few days before. And hats off to Chris Mullen and his staff for telling the kids, hey, listen, you know, one bad game isn't going to kill our season. Let's get back into conference play. We already beat this team yeah. pretty handily in New York. And then to come from behind down the stretch the way they did, just Shamari Pons was outstanding after really struggling at Duke. Well, Villanova and Marquette remain right at the top of the league despite St. John's bolt of lightning this past week. Villanova now 10-0. and More on that accomplishment in a moment. Marquette is two games back at 8-2 and through 10 games. Georgetown now moves into third place tie with St. John's, both at 5-5 five and five after this week's play. And then you've got a whole other mess of teams that were within two games basically separating again third through 10th in this league. So that part of the league standings have not changed. So is the pack mentality right now in the Big East helping or hurting, do you think, national perception and the opportunity to maybe even get into some tournament discussion? Well, I think the perception among media and fans is that the Big East is a two-horse team uh, conference. That's why I asked the question. Yeah, and I, that's not true. I think you and you and I both know, John, that St. John's especially is a, I wouldn't say a clear number three. They haven't played consistently enough to show they're a clear number three, but I got them as the third best team in the league, and if you look at their schedule, they play five of the next six at home, and that that is a break big time here in February where uh, Chris Mullins' team can really separate themselves from that pack. So uh, I think if you look closer at some of the individual resumes and opportunities down the stretch here, I, I still see the Big East getting there. You know, five, maybe even six teams in the tournament. Well, in the headlines this week, home teams still don't have a huge home court advantage to this point in the season. As St. John's win at Fiserv Forum might generally indicate, the home teams are just 28-22, and and nearly half of the 48 conference games played to date, now 50 conference games played to date, have been decided by six points or less. Villanova becomes the first Big East team to start 10-0 and in league play since Connecticut began 11-0 and in 1998-99. Uh, and that's by virtue of their 66-59 overtime win over Creighton on Wednesday. And it's the first time that Villanova has ever started 10-0 and in the league, and that includes their two national title seasons. Marquette's Golden Eagles remain 10th in the AP poll, 9th in the USA Today Top 25, continuing with their highest ranking in six seasons. And Villanova coming in at 14th in the AP, 13th in the USA Today poll. 
at the start of the week. The Big East still placing eight teams within the top 80 of the net ranking system with all 10 teams in the top 102 out of the 353 Division I programs. So, Kevin, let's talk sleepers here for just a sec now. Four weeks roughly left to play until we get to Madison Square Garden. All 10 Big East teams kind of bunched together as they are. Is there anyone on the outside, maybe with the personnel and the schedule, to kind of make a run in March? I think there's two teams, if you look at the schedules. Now, again, you just said that the home teams have kind of only been middling performance. But but you do have to look at the schedule and say, if you play at home, those are just great opportunities. And there's two teams that finish with those opportunities. One is Creighton. Creighton just took Villanova to overtime on the road, which is really difficult to do. And the Jays end with three of four at home down the stretch, Georgetown, Providence, DePaul. So they could finish strong going into Madison Square Garden. The other team with an opportunity is Seton Hall. Obviously, anyone with Miles Powell is very explosive, very dangerous. Their last two games of the season, John, home games, Marquette and Villanova. You can make some serious noise with those two. You sweep those, and all of a sudden, there's a different shine on you coming into the Big East Tournament. No doubt. I like those two picks as well. All right, don't forget, if you've got questions on your favorite team or any other team in the Big East, we will get you some answers. You can send them to us here uh, for the show. Hit us up on Twitter. Hashtag is T-W-I-T-B-E, TwitBe. And thanks to our Westwood One stations for tuning in. If you're catching us on Sirius XM, we welcome you aboard. If you're on your commute, you're working out maybe at the gym, you're cooking in the kitchen, we thank you for listening and downloading us on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on Google Play. Don't forget to leave us a review. Now, how tough is it to coach at your alma mater? You ever wondered that question? We're going to visit with a Big East standout who took more than a familiar path these days for players also to play in the Big East, and we'll get a preview of perhaps the game of the year, at least until the next one right around the corner. But leading off, there are three coaches in the Big East who are now leading their former schools on the floor after having once donned a team jersey. Can the emotions involved get in the way of what's best for the program? We'll explore that question with Butler's Laval Jordan next This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to prevent overuse injuries. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash wellbeing to learn more. Big East Spotlight. Then we got to get some stops now. All right, head up. Get connected. We got to get some, right? We got to grit it out and finish the possessions down there. Well, it's now the second season for Laval Jordan to lead the Butler Bulldogs on the floor after taking his alma mater to the NCAA tournament in year one as head coach. So... What has he done lately for his old school? Well, he has them in position for a run at another tournament in about a month or so from now. Coach Jordan joins us this week in the Big East in Oval. How easy or how tough for you has it been emotionally at a place where you once played, you attended classes, knowing sometimes in the best interest of the program there are going to be some tough decisions that you need to make? Yeah, no, th- thanks, first of all, for having me on, guys. Um, you know, I-, I think emotionally for me uh, it's just you don't you hate losing. Uh, especially when you're in charge of the program that you uh, that you played at and the school that you went to, and um, you got so much pride in in the university and in, in uh, the basketball program and our athletic department, you never want to let anybody down. And I think that's where the emotions come in, and so maybe sometimes I can get um, 
uh, a little over emotional after losses just because you want to do so well for everybody involved. Well, I think it's pretty easy to be emotional as soon as you walk into Hinkle every day for practice. <laughs> uh, that's that's got to be that's got to be a kick for you, Val. Yeah. Butler right now is grouped with so many teams, and I call it the middle and bottom of the Big East because everyone looks really close, similar to each other. But you have that one building block uh, and consistent player in Kamar Baldwin, and I think we knew Kamar was going to be a very good player and, and an all Big East type guy. Can you just talk about his uh, his season this season? Yeah, he, he, Kamar's been like you said. He's been uh, he's been reliable, you know, for the most part. I think his credit to him and the work that he put in over the summer to prepare for a moment like this, and, and uh, you know, it's hard to show up, you know, mo- consistently most nights, uh, especially when everybody's game planning to stop you or to to make you do something uh, that you don't want to do. And so he, he's taking that challenge head on. Uh, really proud of his, his leadership that's growing uh, in terms of vocal leadership and practices, meetings, uh, speaking up a lot more. And so, you know, he's continuing to grow. He's not a, he's not by any means a finished product uh, still, and he knows that. And he attacks it every day with, uh, with great diligence to try to improve uh, so the team can be better. The best thing about Kamar is he could care less about any of the individual accolades. Uh, he, he just cares about his teammates and he cares about winning. And that's what he comes to do each and every day. So it seems that Oval, he's kind of embraced the role of being the team leader that you need when you have lost over the course of the last year or so uh, guys in your program that have meant a lot to the growth of Butler basketball as it entered the Big East Conference. How has Kamar taken to that, that leadership role, and has he done basically the things that you've asked him to do? I think it's, it's a growth for him, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, everybody loves Kamar, and and that's that's one part of it. And he's likable, and he's easy. Uh, but now it, there's tough days when when you're being required and demanded of to uh, to lead uh, in that manner. And so there's been a, a lot of growth in that area. And he's um, in terms of what we've asked him to do, what I've asked of him. You know, it's uh, he's 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 trying every day to step up and be better at it. And I think that's. Uh, you know, a big, a big process, a uh, big part of the process for him. But when, when you are um, kind of, you've been around so long and you played so many meaningful minutes, you know what this program's about, and, uh, and you've had other leaders that, that have come before you that have left an impression. Uh, and now it's your turn. You know, there's a ton of responsibility that comes with that. So I think he's, you know, he's turned some, turned some corners in terms of getting uncomfortable and, and outside of that, that comfort zone where. Like I said, he's talking more, speaking up more, and, and doing it, doing a lot more vocally. Uh, he's more of a leader by example guy. You know, he's going to go hard. You know, he's going to bring it every night. Um, and it's, I've been encouraging him. You have to. You still have to. You have to talk to guys. Need to hear you. Uh, and that's where he's grown. Laval, I'm curious uh, if I look around the league right now. You know, Butler, Creighton, uh, DePaul, Providence, Xavier, Seton Hall. Everyone has had a three-game losing streak in the Big East. You're just coming off one. Uh, snapped it with a two-point win over Seton Hall that I'm sure felt like the biggest relief that you've had since uh, Christmas morning. Uh, take me inside the locker room during that three-game losing streak. What do you tell your players? Because you know we know how balanced this league is. You know, in, in the middle of ours specifically, it was uh, more how we were playing. I thought, uh, in particular, after the Marquette game, um, you know, we we weren't playing. Butler basketball, you know, I thought Villanova, they, just, they played really well, outplayed us, you know, and that, that can happen. Uh, 
Um, but coming out of the Marquette game, you know, it was a long conversation about getting back to playing our our way. And if that isn't good enough, then so be it. But we, we got to pack this thing together and, uh, and recommit to our core values, recommit to our principles on the court. And and I thought, you know, in the Seton Hall game, uh, we had a, you know, the, an energy about us, a uh, passion about us, an enthusiasm, you know, the, the, that we that we have to have every night. And I think that's been our challenge is consistently, um, you know, getting that consistently. And it's tough when you go through a couple uh, a couple of tough losses. But um, you now, if you were to come to practice, you know, you wouldn't have known we lost three in a row that next day after the Marquette game. Guys had an energy about them. They were, you know, refocused, recommitted. And, and I thought, you know, that led to an inspired play uh, against Seton Hall. And we had to hold on for a victory uh, because they're good and they're resilient. And that's how the league has been all season long. Uh, so, it's February, and you just got to figure out a way to grind out some wins this month because everybody in the league knows you. Butler head coach Laval Jordan joining us this week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Coach, there's two players that I want to talk to you about uh, and ask about that I know that fans from elsewhere around the league are becoming familiar with, but obviously you know a little bit more about. And I, I, I want to find out if uh, what you know about them that really makes them tick. One of them is Joey Brunk. And he's second year in the program, but he really seems to have taken a big leap in terms of his ability from last year to this year. The other one is the uh, is Jordan Tucker, the transfer from Duke, and how he has assimilated into your line up and picked up your way of playing so let's start with joey first your thoughts yeah joey it's actually joey's third third year in the program he redshirted his redshirt first season right right and uh yeah, had a uh you know family issue his dad passed away and it just took a toll on him and, and we were thankful to, to to get that year um you know that year back for joey and uh you know i think last year playing you know even though it was uh just just a a, a small amount uh, behind Tyler and uh, Weidman and Nate Fowler, you know, it gave him uh, an idea of what it's like. You know, he got out there for a few minutes, got banged around, got to get up and down and feel the league, and, and, and that inspired him and motivated him for a summer. Uh, and he had a ter- tremendous summer last summer, reshaping his body, sure. um, you know, recommitting to his game, to grow his game, to be ready, knowing that Tyler Weidman was going to be graduating uh, and there was going to be opportunity there. And so really proud of Joey for the way he attacked the offseason and to put himself in position. Uh, and then he's grown. You know, he's uh, like it was his first time getting meaningful minutes. And he's, doing a, he's doing a heck of a job of learning every day uh, on the fly, a lot of it, um, but also um, staying aggressive and, and playing with confidence and trust in the work that he put in this summer. And he's become an option for us in the half court, which is uh, which has helped. Uh, he can really pass the basketball out of the post and then uh, – you know, he's he's got a motor and his and his passion and energy that he plays with is, is just who Joey is. Right. Uh, it's, it's, he's going to light up the room when he walks in, and he plays with, in a way that's going to uh, bring the fan fan base to its feet when he's on the court. And Jordan Tucker also seems to have caught on pretty well. Yeah, Tucker. You know, part of Jordan, yeah, same situation, similar situation, in the fact that it's his first time getting real meaningful minutes, and uh, you know, coming in from Duke last year and getting acclimated to Butler and learning the, and um, kind of what we're about here. Obviously, we're excited to, to, to get him here and um, learn other guys in the locker room, and that that, that takes some time. But I thought over the off season, really getting connected uh, was big, and then and then again coming in in the middle of the season is tough. Uh, jumping in and where there's a there's a rotation and there's a little bit of a flow, and uh, trying to fit in before you stand out. And I thought Jordan took that and, and handled it very well. 
Uh, and then he's had some some really good games for us. And so he brings some size and rebounding and and skill set that um, you know that we were excited about when we signed him. He's he's still a, kind of a puppy, uh, so he's gonna, he's making some mistakes, but he plays uh, plays through them and, and continues to learn and attacks it with the right mindset. Butler's Laval Jordan. By the way, the other two coaches now leading their programs in the Big East who once played for their schools. You should know this. None other than Patrick Ewing at Georgetown and Chris Mullen at St. John's. Who's hot? Well, that's coming up next, this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom, where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves, where passion meets purpose, where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at Xavier.edu. Who's hot? This is the difference, I think, in this Marquette team. We've got depth this year, too. Boy, that's a tough chance. What a rainbow! Unbelievable. You can just see the shoulders of Aaron Thompson shrinking, electrifying. Exactly four minutes to go. Booth on the right sideline. Fade away three, he drills it. Oh my goodness, catch by six. That's a huge shot for the senior. Yeah, Booth now with 13. He made a huge shot earlier, so he makes big shots. Simon in a wide aisle, looking to post the pawns on Howard. Unable to do so, they cleared out to LJ, to Heron. Heron now fakes the three, tosses the ball to Figueroa on the drive, free throw line floater. Good for 14. LJ Figueroa puts St. John's ahead of pair 25-23. Stolen by McKnight. Comes back one-on-one against Ashton Langford, lays it up and rolls home. And a foul. The basket counts. McKnight took the bump from Ashton Langford. Seton Hall takes the lead. I told my team, I was like, guys, you're going to get Mr. Rogers. I'm legit. They're going to be looking at you like, what the heck? Who is that guy? All right, man. All right, good luck, man. That's what we're Did you hit the lottery with me today? I'm like Mr. Rogers. Hey, great call, John. I, I don't think I'm as nervous as Kevin is. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. We want to start out with that shout-out again to Fox for giving Seton Hall and Butler the opportunity to mic up their coaches and then allow the inside look of the sounds into the game in the Big East All-Access game last week. This is the only conference so far, Kev, that I know that has something unique to showcase like the All-Access game for its fans and for basketball fans, really, from anywhere. The men and the women, the Big East women's game Did uh, one too, as right. well. Uh, you, you just have to... Really, hats off to Laval Jordan and Kevin Willard. And, you know, last year I believe it was Providence and DePaul that did it. That's right. The head coaches, most head coaches are a little paranoid. You know, these games mean an awful lot. And to let the world into your space for two hours of a really important conference game, uh, I really give an awful lot of credit to the coaches. And, hey, is there any chance we could ever get Patrick and Chris to do it? See, now that would be unbelievable, right? Okay, that's that would just be an almost, idea. That would be almost like John Thompson with Louis Carnesecca. <laughs> you know, I mean, wouldn't it be right? Talk about old school. I, I hope that the two schools in the league have talked about that because that would be the next great step to take. It would, and uh, you know, play the tape. Those guys can watch the tape in the uh, in the off season and see that it's really not that big of a deal. It's really not. Yeah. Uh, it's great insight. If you ever really want to know what a coach talks to his team about in the huddle, how he instructs them, how he calms them down, how he tells them to go forward, what to talk about when the team isn't playing well. I mean. It's, it's, it's fascinating insight. 
It's, it's, you can't find it anywhere else. It's outstanding. Yeah, that's what we like about it. All right, as for the Big East Player of the Week this week, Marcus Howard of Marquette. Stop me if you've heard this before. He had 32 points in Marquette's only game of the week, which was a win at Butler by 76 uh, to 58. Uh, he shot 14 to 23 from the floor, had five rebounds. He continues to lead the Big East in scoring with a 25-point-per-game average in conference play, leads the Big East in free-throw shooting at better than 91% of the line, and in three-pointers made with 78 on the year he has been over 30 13 times this season john i also like that he's fifth in assists you know a lot of these you know quote high scoring gunners uh they just take bad shots throw up a lot of threes and hang up a lot of points right marcus is at his best when he's also dishing the ball and uh, he's done that over and over again this year and boy that's one guy you don't want to see in march if i'm uh <laughs> you know some team from the Big 12 or the Pac-12, uh, he's so dangerous and explosive. And, and the thing about it is is he doesn't need to get to the college three-point line. He's equally adept at shooting from beyond an NBA stripe. What do they say when you walk off the bus? Yeah. That's Start Marcus shooting. Howard. Yeah, that's him. Uh, the Big East freshman of the week, James Akinjo, Georgetown. Uh, it's the third time this year he's had the honor. He averaged 21 points. Four assists, three and a half rebounds, and two and a half steals uh, in the uh, Hoyas week. He had 23 of his points uh, against Xavier. He had a team high 19 and a loss at Villanova. And then he scored 10 points uh, in a game against Providence earlier this week. All of them came in the second half as a steadying influence. He clearly is rising, rising up above many of the other younger players in the league this year. I think it's a two horse race, him and Joey Hauser, for the two best freshmen in the league. Yep. Uh, but, you know, an extra special check mark next to Akinjo because he's doing it as a point guard. Right. And and Georgetown right now, by the way, is a very tough out. Yeah. Akinjo, by the way, leads all league freshmen in scoring at better than 14 points per game. And he's second among all players, including upperclassmen and assists in the league at 5.2. So uh, Akinjo right now getting a strong nod for that honor, as you said, along with Joey Hauser of Marquette. On the Big East honor roll this week, let's congratulate Mart, uh, Martin Crample of Creighton. 18.5 points and 5.5 and rebounds with three steals for the 1-1 one one, uh, Blue Jays during the week. Paul Reed of DePaul may very well be, in my estimation, the most improved player in the Big East Conference. He had an 18.15 rebound double-double at home in a win against Providence. A, a total find. I, we discussed this yesterday, John. I was like, Paul Reed, I don't think I remember him even playing last year. He averaged year. three and a half points and three rebounds as a freshman for the Blue Demons, and now he's a double-double machine. They always say the biggest jump a college player makes is between freshman and sophomore year. He's made a big one. And boy, he's made a huge one. What makes him so tough for a lot of teams to match up with, he's six foot nine, but his length He's got you know the seven foot two wingspan plus, and he's just man. He goes out and he and he gets it. He's able to get out and get rebounds that guys just can't get to. Shamari Pons from St. John's also on the uh, honor roll. Eighteen and a half points, six assists, five and a half rebounds, and five steals in two games for the Red Storm. Miles Powell, Seton Hall, thirty one points in a win against Providence, averaged twenty six points for the week. And Colin Gillespie of Villanova. You know we talk about the big two at Villanova all the time. Gillespie's becoming the guy that. It could be a third option for the Wildcats. Not only important in their 10-0 start, but important for Villanova to be a threat in March. John, this isn't fair. If, if with Phil Booth and Eric Pascal, if Colin Gillespie is going to get 30 in a game like he did against Georgetown, that's just not fair. 
<laughs> or, or at least that's what opposing Big East coaches are thinking. We're going to tell them to throw in the towel. That's it. It's all over. We, we, I guess we might as well. Uh, it is the 40th season, as many of us know, of Big East basketball. The 37th consecutive year that the Big East men's tournament, presented by Jeep, will be played in New York, March 13th through 16th, at the world's most famous arena, the Mecca. It's Madison Square Garden. And you can be there. Don't miss your chance. You might recall 97% of all available tickets were sold last year. This was the most attended postseason conference tournament in the country. Single session tickets are on sale for this year. All you have to do is go to Ticketmaster.com slash Big East for more information and to buy your tickets. Well, as St. John's begins to surge upward within the conference, one of their key players got his career started elsewhere, like so many other players, it seems, this day. Uh, some players are just lucky to find another match. Some never seem to get where they hope to go. But one guy who's found his place in the Big Apple after starting in the Big Ten has a big role on the Johnny's current team. Forward Marvin Clark joins us next this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. If you want to make a difference, you need to be the difference. At Marquette University, we don't stop the pursuit of our mission ever. We research, study, test our theories, and practice our faith. We are men and women for and with others. It's excellence in the classroom, in the community, in our fields, and on the court. We do it because we're problem solvers, innovators, and fearless leaders. We do it because it's who we are. Marquette University. Be the difference. Big East Focus. No good short. Rebound corralled in there by Shamari. Hans, no one pass. Right side. Clark for three. Good! He hits another three-point shot. Marvin Clark, the second, puts St. John's ahead 60-43. to 43. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Now, to say his start in life was rough would be an understatement, but it's something that he says he wouldn't change because he might not be who he is today without it. St. John's senior forward Marvin Clark joins us this week in the Big East. Marvin, you've talked a lot before about your father's early passing when you were little, uh, the drugs and the violence that have surrounded you in your life, and yet you just don't seem to shy away from acknowledging that any of these hardships have happened. Some people would like to forget things like that, so I'm wondering if you might be able to tell those who might not know all about your story why you don't forget these things. I just try to, you know, try to remember them just to never forget where I come from. Um, to help me never take things for granted. Uh, to help put things into perspective for me. Um, and it's just the way, you know, just to always come back down to reality, um, to never get too high and to never get too low. And, and John, uh, when you watch Marvin Clark play, you know that he's a tough player, and uh, it's not a surprise. Yeah, he, I think that kind of adds to the, the persona there, and, and I think he fulfills that role greatly. It's, it's, an, it's an admirable quality. Yeah, Marvin, I'm curious. You originally go to Michigan State, play for one of the you know most aggressive coaches in the country at and Tom Izzo, and then you come to what we like to say is the most physical league in the country in the Big East. How do you think your playing style has has uh, you know helped you adapt to the Big East the last couple of years? I mean, I'm still adapting, though. Uh, still getting over some foul calls, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely uh, helped me out a lot, tremendously. Um, you know, I just was talking about uh, after our uh, win at Marquette, I was just uh, – posted a little picture of me and coach is um and i just uh, I, I appreciate him a, a lot you know he just taught me a lot of things there's just more ways to affect the game than scoring um more ways to affect the game than even stats themselves uh just the energy that you bring uh, the mindset that you bring to work every day and um, that's just something that i think has helped me um mesh well with this 
with this uh, in this league and mesh well with this program and be able to be the player that I am today. Marvin, uh, not too many teams can turn around from a from a difficult loss at Duke uh, and then go out and beat a top ten team on the road at Marquette. Just take us into the uh, the locker room those couple days where you guys obviously shrugged off a difficult day and had pretty much your biggest win of the season. Yeah, we just saw, you know, going into Duke, uh, well, really going into the road trip, you know, we wanted to at least end the road trip 2-1, but we felt that we could we could definitely win all three games. Um, uh, going into, you know, going into Duke, we were very confident. Um, I think, you know, first 17 minutes, I think we uh, played a fair game. Um but you gotta you gotta play a perfect game in, in that atmosphere, and uh, that's that's definitely uh, one that we'll never forget. But uh, we I think we just have a you know a lot of uh, experience on this team this year, and being able to just you know put that that loss behind us. You know we don't play in the ACC, you know, so uh, we're just able to put that loss behind us and realize that you know the the win that matters most is, is the Marquette win, and uh, you know we were able to everybody was able to buy in, lock in to able to focus on what we had to do, what our job was in front of us, and, and that was Marquette, and, and our focus is the Big East Conference. So uh, I think our coaches have did a great job of, you know, after that game, just helping us decompress, you know, putting that behind us, gave us a day off, um, and then, you know, got everything going, and now we're here today. Marvin Clark, St. John's Senior Ford, with us here this week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. I want to go back to Michigan State for just a second. I know you don't want to dwell too much in the past, but you had a couple of years of spot duty there. You sat out the year at St. John's before you became eligible here, and I know that there was a connection on the coaching staff that had recruited you at a third school that led you to St. John's in the first place. Can you take us through that and how you landed in New York from where you started out? Uh, yes, sir. It's actually you know it's crazy how life works, crazy how things work, uh, so... Uh, Coach at the Massey, um, he recruited me out of high school to actually attend Iowa State right. um, to play for Coach Hoiberg early on. Um, they were in my top five uh, coming out of high school, but Coach uh, Hoiberg decided to, to you know, go coach in the NBA and coach uh, take opportunity with the Bulls. And uh, so there, I decided you know that I, I didn't want to go there anymore, and uh, uh, ended up you know going uh, choosing Michigan State. Um, and then uh, once. You know, my uh, sophomore year was coming to a close. I decided, you know, made a difficult decision to leave Michigan State and to look for another opportunity elsewhere. And um, Coach Matt, you know, was there. He was there, and opportunity was was there in my face. And I felt like it was an unbelievable opportunity to come back to St. John's and and try to help, you know, this this program get back to where it belongs. And, sure, uh, it's just crazy how things work. And. It, it worked out perfectly in my mind. Well, I asked the question only because, obviously, you know transfers uh, within college basketball seem to be growing every year, and I wonder how you feel about the players being able to move from school to school, especially if the coach that recruits them is no longer at the school. Clearly, you're in favor of, of the athlete being able to move a little bit, correct? Oh, yes, sir. Um, I feel like, uh, I mean, I don't want to, you know, compare college to, to the pros, but you know, just with the even with everything with the trade deadline and what's been going on these last couple of days, and with you know with what LeBron just said with his last post is call a spade a spade. I feel like if a coach can you know sign a contract and, and coach a team, but get out of that contract and take another opportunity, you know, to whatever make more money and take opportunity to coach somewhere else, I think players should be given the same opportunity. At the end of the day, uh, we're we're amateurs, but at the end of the day, we're interviewing for a job if we're trying to play pro and. Every uh, every instance that we get to take advantage of the four years of eligibility that we're given, I think we should have every right to 
to put ourselves in a position to, to succeed in a position to take care of whatever we whatever it is that we have to take care of. So. Sure. Marvin, last one for you. Uh, the, the, the kind of uh, spin on St. John's this season is that they may have the best starting five in the Big East. Uh, I'm curious, what do you think the group needs to do to come together and be able to make a mark in March? Uh, I think we got to watch this game film, especially the last couple minutes of this Marquette win. And I think we got to capitalize on that. Um, I think, you know, we as, as of late um, in that game, we didn't really score it well. You know, Shamari, Shamari did what Shamari did and what he does and what he will continue to do. But I think, you know, from a group effort, I think we need to realize that um, on the defensive end, that's where it matters. You know, like, like you just said, uh, we have a very talented starting five. Um, any one of us can get us going. Any one of us can get hot. It could be any one of our night that day. But at the end of the day, to, to win championships, you you must play defense, and um, I think if we buy into into that mindset, I think the sky's the limit for us. Let me ask you one more quick thing about Shamari Pons in terms of how he plays and what he means to you guys on the floor. Do you sometimes feel like you need to get out of his way, or how best can you guys, uh, as his teammates, complement his game to make your team better? I think, you know, what we can do for him is set great screens, uh, move well without the ball, and Shamari will, you know, uh, regardless of, of what it is, he'll always make the right play, whether it's scoring or, or playmaking. I think, you know, his playmaking ability is, is overlooked drastically, but I think the best thing for us to do is just, like I said, just space well without the ball and feed off his energy and feed off him and, and let him do what he does, man. He's, he's a phenomenal player and it's been, it's been a, been a great three years playing with him and, and growing with him. That's St. John's Marvin Clark. As we get closer to crunch time in the conference, first matchup of the top two in the Big East is right around the corner. Some perspective from the Philly side of things with a longtime observer of big games in the Big East. The Philadelphia Inquirer's Joe Giuliano next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. To walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success, both in and out of the classroom. Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless, relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory. We believe in Nova Nation and give ourselves to it totally, even when no one is looking. We are Villanova, and each of us strengthens all of us. National Perspective. Catch with the ball, trailing by four now, 7-12 to go. Cremo finds Pascal underneath, hesitate, and then explodes up and throws down the two-handed jam. Well, Villanova has certainly surprised some, but maybe not everyone when it comes to the Wildcats' start to the season. After all, four of last year's national champs were drafted by the NBA. And what might be surprising, however, is how they've improved with the speed with which they've done that improvement in the last few weeks of this season. Joe Giuliano covers the Cats and College Hoops for the Philadelphia Inquirer. He joins us this week in the Big East. Now, Joe, I'm wondering if you saw the slower start for this team out of the gate this year, and did you think that the obvious rapid improvement would also follow? Well, we, we knew it would be a slow start, but the fact that they got pounded by 27 points at home by Michigan uh, kind of like made us uh, blink once, and then when they lost the next game to Furman at home, uh, we were thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a, a year where you know, they they might still make the tournament that maybe be a seven and eight seed. They could lose as many as six or seven games in the Big East. And this will be the year that Big East teams can get back at Villanova for all the uh, humility of the previous years. And then all of a sudden they brought it back. Now, Jay Wright said to us that by the time the Big East season opened, he 
he th- he thought they would be, you know, close to being okay the way he wants them to play. And the fact that they're ten and zero in the Big East uh, certainly brings that out. But that I mean, ten and zero was was a surprise to, to everybody, including myself. And uh, they just keep rolling along. Joe, I'm curious. We had Jay uh, on our show a few weeks back. And he pointed out that the one game where things turned a little bit was a loss and not a win, and he said it was the Penn loss. Uh, coming into the you know the Penn game, which obviously the Big Five, they had a long Big Five winning streak, and they lost by three at the Palestra. And then they uh, went out to Kansas and played the Jayhawks pretty evenly and only lost by three points. And since then, they haven't lost. Uh, would you agree that that Penn game w- w- was, a, was a spin game for them? Yeah, you know... I think once you got through the disappointment of having that long streak end, um, yeah, I think they, they looked back on it, and, and I think Jay saw something in the players like it was, I don't know, uh, maybe they were, I don't want to use the word embarrassed because Penn played a really good game that night, but they were just a little miffed that, that, that they couldn't bring it home, and, and, and late in the game is when they, they put on this run and almost pulled it out. So And then going to Kansas, um and you were right on. I mean, they played Kansas pretty evenly, and it was kind of a, I think, a 10-point game with a minute something to go, and then Booth and Gillespie just just attacked the rim at will and got layups or layups and 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 end one situations. They didn't go for the threes. I mean, I think Kansas was lining up to stop the threes, and they were just going to the hole at will, and they really had a, they had a chance to tie it. Uh, with like 10 seconds to go. So, yeah, I, I think that kind of showed them that they were going to be okay. And and then coming back the next week and playing Connecticut at Madison Square Garden and, and just dominating them in the second half made made you get the impression that things were, were going to be okay. But then you had games at Providence where they lost last year. You had a game at Creighton where they lost last year and at Butler where they lost last year. And they won all three. And then, then by that time you figured, well, you know, maybe they are going to be okay. Right. I'm curious. You've seen Phil Booth and Pasco play. Got it. It seems like forever. The way that they've both stepped up this year is this what you expected, or has their consistency been a pleasant surprise? Well, I think the high volume at which they're scoring was a bit of a surprise. Uh, you know, Jay always believes in a uh, balanced attack, but I don't think he wanted to wait for the sophomores and the freshmen to uh, to, to see if you know if there were any big scorers in that group or kids capable of being big scorers. Now, Colin Gillespie is, is a scoring point guard, but he's the number three scorer by a, by a lot on this team. But the fact that Pascal and Booth have been asked to do so much on the court, and Jay being a, a, a guy who really relies on his seniors having to do so much off the court, I, I get a feeling that uh, by the end of the season, these guys are going to be ready for like a long spring nap because uh, he's got them doing an awful lot. And in fact, he's... he's uh, letting them sit out some practices now just so he doesn't you know wear them out to a nub where by the time we get to tournament time they're going to be uh you know pretty well fried so yeah i think the the the, the volume of responsibility they have both on and off the course have been court have been uh, surprising but they've handled it very well joe giuliano again who covers the philadelphia wildcats for the philadelphia inquirer joining us this week in the big east joe with this 10-0 start overall how does this build expectations for this villanova team heading into march uh in your estimation fairly or unfairly well i think everybody's thinking like uh well I, what you read is like well you know the road to the big east championship still goes through villanova and, and that's true in, in a way and, and obviously they've proven it with their 10-0 start but uh 
you know, I, I think that everybody is, you know, being realistic about, you know, their chances. Obviously, they would have a chance at winning the Big East title and, and getting a, a nice seed. I, I'm interested to see in this uh, pre-bracket reveal that uh, CBS and the NCAA are doing on Saturday, if Villanova makes the cut into the top 16, you know, being a four seed and all. But uh, but, but the NCAA tournament, you know, obviously it's, uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, like you said in the opening, John, they lost four guys to the NBA and uh, you know, two of those guys were expected to be big contributors this year, Dante DiVincenzo and Omari Spellman. So, you know, they're, they're still a little light on, uh, in depth and, uh, you know, still, still getting guys to, uh, you know, to come around. Like Jermaine Samuels had a 16 rebound game against, uh, Georgetown. And last night he got into early foul trouble and had two. Uh, Joe Cremo, a, a graduate transfer, the first under Jay Wright is, uh, a great three point shooter, but he just can't get open. Uh, for whatever reason, and he's not real good moving, uh, you know, trying to create his own shot. So, you know, these are things that still have to be, um, you know, worked out before they can, you know, make a decent run in, in March. But, uh, uh, you know, knowing Jay, he's uh, going to keep working at it. And, and his motto is always, we want to be the best team we can be by the end of the year. Two years <laughs> two years of that were they were national champions. So, you um, know, you never put anything by him, but, but uh yeah, I think they're just going to work to keep being as good as they can be and see where see what happens. No, but there's, if there's any coach who's realized that it's all about March, it's it's Jay Wright. Uh, it's funny, early in his career, Villanova was plagued by some early losses, and now he's become Mr. March with uh, two national titles in two of the last three years. Jo- Joe, I'm curious, you, you speak from a pretty unique vantage point as being the beat writer at the main newspaper in town for the national champions in two of the last three years. How has this ride been for you? Because I, I know you know you cover Penn State football, but you really enjoy uh, you know college basketball an awful lot as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I always tell people it's whatever is in season is what I like the best. And, and being on this ride with them, it, it, it's kind of weird because, like last year, uh, like I, I've worked with Jay Wright like for too long, I think is what it is. It's <laughs> like... Hmm. Uh, I took I took them back in the 2008 season, and I've been with the 2008-2009 season, and I've been with them ever since. And I always listen to Jay, like you know, well, we have to do this better, or we have to do that better. And as we're as we're going into the Final Four last year, I'm thinking, well, you know, Jay still is like worried about this, and he's worried about that. And I would get on radio shows uh, all over the country and tell him, well, you know, Villanova, they're there's still not a, a perfect product i mean they still have a concern here and they still have a concern there and here they are winning all their ncaa games like <laughs> 10 or more points right like what kind of an idiot is this writing this team you know when it's all over you know with the ease with which they defeated kansas and michigan in the final four and i'm, I'm like geez did i did i just miss this am, am i just so in tune with what jay wright's telling me that i i, I kind of missed the big picture i i, I was a little I wondered about that as I was uh, working my way back from uh, San Antonio after the championship game uh, with a Greyhound bus and a, and a, and a flight to uh, from Houston. So that made it interesting, but it uh, gave me a lot of time to think about it. And I was thinking, well, maybe I should have been a little kinder or something. I, it was it was a strange it was a strange dynamic when you look back on it and saw how easily they went through the tournament. Joe Giuliano of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Who's got next? Well, the big games coming up on the schedule. And just where these marquee matchups will be played, that's next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and 
and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC has 3,900 undergraduate students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright future. Learn more at providence.edu. Who's got next? Adam. P.O. John and one. Great substitution by Rojo. John scores immediately when he gets into the game. John wrote Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. Let's take a look at next week's schedule, and it starts with all ten teams in action on Saturday. And headlining it, Villanova at Marquette, the marquee matchup with a Big East best so far this season going head-to-head for the first time. Kev, looking forward to that one for sure. Well, it has national implications. You know, there's very few games this year that have national implications. I think both of these teams should be among CBS's top 16, the NCAA's top 16 when it's announced on Saturday. Uh, Maybe both on the four line, maybe one on the three. Uh, They have yet yet to play, uh, so it's interesting that they'll both, you know, they'll play each other both here in the last month. Uh, And, you know, big game for Marquette maybe more than Villanova because they're coming off a loss uh, to St. John's. Yeah, I would think so. You also have on Saturday Butler playing at Georgetown at noon. Providence is at St. John's at the Garden. Creighton playing at Seton Hall. These are all potential survival or separation games almost. You know, it's almost tough to pick which is the most important because uh, you just said it. All these teams are in that mix where they have to get cracking. Uh, I think St. John's is probably in a really good condition, uh, uh, you know, circumstance because they have so many home games left. They have a very important week because they have to protect their home court against Providence and then Butler on Tuesday. Yep, Tuesday is Butler at St. John's. DePaul uh, is at home against Marquette. And then on Wednesday, Providence goes to Villanova while Creighton plays at Xavier and Georgetown goes to Seton Hall. First time for those two teams to play this year. There are some matchups where you will play two or three teams and finish out the home-and-home and and not even see somebody until later in the year. Kind of odd in the schedule. You know, there's one team that, uh, that seems to be trending the wrong way at this time of the year, and that's Providence. Providence has lost three in a row, and boy, it can't be comfortable for Ed Cooley with his next two games at St. John's and at Villanova. Yeah, tough spot. Well, but it's also an opportunity because if you want to put yourself squarely back into the conversation, you win one of those. No question. It totally turns around. We just spoke to Butler, you know, Laval Jordan, three game losing streak. Right. Boom, they beat Seton Hall, and they're feeling good about themselves. Don't forget, if you've got questions about your favorite team, don't forget to hit us up on Twitter with a hashtag TWITBE. Twitby. And if you're looking for more Big East Hoop news, tune in each week live with the Big East Shootaround. It's available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, and the Fox Sports Go app. Shootaround featuring coaches and player interviews from around the league. It's every week. You can also send in your questions via social media, hashtag BE Shootaround, so you can be featured on that show. Our thanks today to Butler's Laval Jordan, St. John's Marvin Clark, and the Philadelphia Inquirer's Joe Giuliano for joining us. Our thanks also go out to the flagship stations at Butler, St. John's, and Villanova for all of their help in providing the sound that brings us a bit closer to these big games. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins, to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at JR Broadcaster. He is at Kevin McNamara 33. Hit us with your questions and your retweets, and we'll be back same time next week for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, 
Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.